Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Money Can't Buy You Podcast, a musical odyssey through the song stylings of the Real Housewives, part of the Mastus Network. I'm Dan. I'm Tracy. And I'm Sarah. Hey guys, a quick programming note. I know it's been a minute since we recorded a new MCBY podcast. As you know, my husband and I were busy welcoming a new life into the world, and try as we might, we could not make Kim Zolziak Bierman Blau Rogi fit on the birth certificate. But all of that is to say, <laughs> should you hear the sounds of any screaming coming from the next room during this record, it is not actually Kim recording her next hit single, <laughs> though I can see how you would get confused between the two. I, so, I feel um, like the uh, latest addition to the family is probably just by circumstance of birth far closer to on pitch than Kim. I doubt that would be a confusing <laughs> e- confusing element for the listeners. <laughs> most, most definitely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so now on to this week's episode, Erica Jane and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So... The early seasons of Beverly Hills are among my favorite kind of across the whole Housewives franchise. It was like sort of the glory days of the sister war between Kyle and Kim, the dinner party from hell with psychic Alison Dubois, even kind of the the mid-later seasons with your Lisas, Rinna and Vanderpump. It was really fresh for a long time. So Erica Jane came first on in season six, which I think was the last one I watched in full. And for me, since then, the show has settled into what I have called before, just make it good enough to hear over the vacuum TV. It's kind of background wallpaper that I just leave on so I can pay like half attention to. So I want to throw it to Tracy to talk about Erica Jane, Nade Girardi, and her place in the Housewives pantheon as of this moment. Tracy, take it away. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to do that. I have continued <laughs> to watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, although it really it really has lost some luster in later seasons. But um, Erica Jane, for sure, has been a bright spot in the past three seasons. Um, definitely one of the better later season additions to any of the Housewives franchises. I would say she's in the ranks of Dorinda Medley from New York um, and Shannon Bedore of the OC. And really those... Um, that sort of group of new housewives who kind of re-energize the franchise in some way or bring something um, that was missing, as opposed to like the the Carlton Gibbons <laughs> and Joyce Gerodes, um of the world who only last for a season or two. Um, so Erica's whole thing is kind of based on this sort of double identity, which is 
Mrs. Girardi versus Eric Jane. Although, to be honest, the gulf between them um, never really seemed to be that large to me and is constantly closing. Um, but Erica is married to Tom Girardi, who is a very um, rich older man. Uh, you may know him from being the lawyer of the Aaron Brockovich case, um, which became a movie, so that he was the real life lawyer in that. Um, he is almost, I think, 30 or so years older than her, although although quite spunky still in his brief appearances on the show. Um, and they met when she was a cocktail waitress and he was her customer. And they'll have That much is photos. true. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is actually true. Um, and they have flashback photos and that sort of thing. Um, and so when she came on the show, a lot of the housewives, the other housewives, were very skeptical of her and sort of framed her as a, as a gold digger and sort of tacky. And there was this awful incident when she wasn't wearing underwear and then one particularly disgusting house husband um, P.K. Helmsley made like she was flashing him her bits and it became like this whole season long story arc which was terrible but <laughs> that said um, her you know her framing is sort of like as Mrs. Girardi she's a little bit more conservative she's this lawyer's wife and has to attend these important events and dinners etc um, although the entire time she's still very blonde and sort of fabulous um, but Erica Jane is sort of this uh, persona which is you know still a part of her but kind of letting out this inner naughty girl as she would frame it um although I think it's really sort of like the inner gay icon that we all want to be <laughs> um and she's surrounded by um this whole sort of staff of gay men who dress her and make her up and do her hair and are her friends um she is very very rich they have their own plane that whole sort of thing um and her life really is is kind of a dream to me <laughs> I don't know about anyone else, but it, it looks it looks really great. So, Sarah, um, as only because now I understand that the expression through a wine-soaked haze describes both the entirety of the Housewives franchise as well as your current state this morning, not to blow up your spot and what you were explaining before we started recording, <laughs> but what is your, do you have any familiarity with the Beverly Hills part of the franchise at all? Not really. I think I tr is this the one where um, Josh Hamilton's wife was on it? That who's Josh Hamilton's wife? That I think it was the OC. Josh oh, Hamilton yeah. that was, was a oh, baseball player. Yes, OC, I believe. Okay, um, so no, I mean, uh, except watching Kyle on Celebrity Apprentice, which mm -hmm. I already issued a formal apology for covering that on previously.tv <laughs> on the podcast extra hot grade that I was like, I am sorry that we were even a capillary going into that attention tumor because now here we are. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was familiar with Kyle from that show. Right. And I think another one was brought onto the team of that season, basically to fight with her. This was also a season mm. in which we saw um, Geraldo Rivera in his underpants <laughs> and Johnny Damon and I were both super upset by it. Right. There was a lot going on. Yep. I am in a wine soaked haze, but that legit happened. Like that was a thing that it occurred. Um, yep. But this franchise, what season are they on now? 21? It it will be nine. They've, they've finished, they've completed ah, eight. So the next gotcha. That's crazy to me that they have as many seasons or fewer as New Jersey. Right. Given that half of that 
cast is in jail or in flux at any given time. Um, like Danielle Staub is back. And she's back. Yeah, exactly. And we've been through it again. And then she's yep. back again. We've um, been through an entire Siggy era. That's what I always say. Why New Jersey is actually yeah. going to stay fresh is because despite the number of seasons it's been on, it's actually been like 14 different shows. It's been Mob Wives. It's been Mob Wives with men. It's been just the Teresa story. It's been less Italian. Danielle is back. Beverly Hills, with the exception of like kind of like the regular rolling in of new characters, like I still like it. It just hasn't actually evolved that much as a series over the time because in some ways it's more the mm-hmm. platonic ideal of what people considered to be the real housewives of in that it is extremely rich married women living lives of leisure. Oh well, my God, go figure. Yeah, but then that's the thing mm-hmm. like the the original real housewives was Orange County, no? Correct. So, but then it's yeah. like, at least in my mind, I constantly get um oc and bh confused right because it's like they started with the oc but the real like platonic cave iteration of this franchise was beverly hills like i think that's what they were trying to do the whole time but it just didn't happen like in the initial iteration so it's funny that they both exist right and then that they're both so different and also that i just don't like I never watch either of them. Right. <laughs> I think I've seen maybe an episode and a half of the OC, like at a friend's house. Right. So my familiarity with these storylines is almost nil. Um, but yeah, like li- I'm a- alive and I speak English in American <laughs> culture, so there is like there is a baseline understanding of like the relationship of these people to the Real Housewives, and oh, that's one of the ones who. tried to sing right that was Kate oh sorry and I think that when oh yeah no that's okay um I think that one other thing that sets Beverly Hills apart is they're actually bringing in of celebrities as cast members so they had Lisa Rinna um Eileen Davidson who's on the Young and the Restless next season Denise Richards is going to be a housewife um so I think that's sort of their gimmick even Yolanda um, trying to keep it Foster's wife Yolanda Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So there's more of a, a, a connection there to actual celebrity than, than there Speaking is. Speaking of that it's white. not, they're not creating, the celebrity is not created right. via the franchise, so. Right. Yes. And speaking of white, privileged, West Coast celebrities who live behind gates, that was Katie, was Josh Hamilton's wife, and she was on The Real Housewives yes. of OC per the... Internet. Speaking of things that the internet provides, let me give you some additional (laughs) context as to who Erica Jane is beyond the show and her place in pop culture. She is a 47-year-old dance club artist. Good night, everyone. Because you would think that that could be the beginning (laughs) and the end of her career description, but it's not. Because you should actually read her entire kind of self-aggrandizing wiki entry because it reads like it was written by contributor Schmerica Schmain. Like, seriously. (laughs) And I'll just... It's I will wild. quote one random sentence. Staying true to her love of music, Jane's first dance music single, Roller Coaster, was released on January 1st, 2007. The song placed at number one on the... 
Billboard Hot Dance Club Play Chart. Jane's debut full-length album, Pretty Mess, was released in the U.S. on August 11th, 2009. <laughs> the album spawned a total of four number one singles on the Hot Dance Club play chart, tying her with Brianna and the Pussycat Dolls <laughs> for the most number one singles from a debut release. It, That's some thin wow. air it, re- it reminds me. Top. Do you remember... <laughs> I don't. Do you remember when Tyra was like an ascendant mogul? They were like making that play during her mm. talk show days. Mm-hmm. There was a New York Times mm. magazine article about her that tried to place her on par with other female bosses at the time, and the cover of the article in the New York Times magazine read simply "Oprah Martha Tyra," and you were like, "Okay, let's not <laughs> wow. try to make that happen." New York Times, and I felt like the same thing on the smallest micro scale possible was trying to happen in that wiki entry with Rihanna, Nicole, Erica Jane. It's like, okay, come on, dance club play. Speaking chart. of her wiki entry, uh, yep. I was it was rather strongly suggested to me via email prior to the record that I mm-hmm. not look up. <laughs> Erica Jane's bio because yep. of a certain fun fact that awaited me. Did you find uh, it? No, I didn't look. Oh. So her plate. I was drinking. I can't do two <laughs> things at once. <laughs> can't read and drink. Have what we met? <laughs> so her place in the pop culture pantheon was cemented um, as she is. I guess I would call the most outer orbiting planet in the Law and Order Galaxy of Fame in that she is the first person ever to die in the first ever episode to air of Law and Order in September of 1990. She is the first victim. No way. <laughs> so they say. Gosh. <laughs> Do you F- know when it's 47, the first ep- huh? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 47 Come on, Blanche. Yeah, really. (laughs) Do you know that episode? Do you know when it's the very first episode of Law & Order? Well, it depends on what you're calling the first episode. You have the the one that aired first. That one. It's not the the pilot. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually like the fifth episode. Mm -hmm. But yes, I do know it because it's shot on film. Oh, there you go. Film star, Erica Girardi. you You can for sure tell, especially... Um, now in the high def era, that it just looks like startlingly sharp and beautiful, and that you know it's like the late '80s in New York, and the right. air has that like crystalline, chewy quality to yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and you could just tell it's film. And uh, Chris Noth is just the hottest thing he was in the world. <laughs> yep. So hot that leather jacket. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about Chris Noth. <laughs> so she's so she was good. You're saying? Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, it, she didn't look like that. I'm pretty sure, and right. also was dead. So, <laughs> but that yeah. that is good. That is good trivia. the The thing is, the current <laughs> loop of Law and Orders is not anywhere close to the beginning. Like, uh-huh. it, there's several channels that are airing them right now, and we're not right. like we're post Briscoe. In all of them. Got it. Like, let's Mm. just keep airing these late episodes that are inevitably about terrorism. (laughs) Like the the Sistosodes, which are like, I want to like this because I like you. But it's always a fight with the, you know, uh, Justice Department about who has jurisdiction. And 
no one care. Just go back to the beginning. So hopefully, hopefully they'll loop back around. I certainly hope so. So it can Mm -hmm. cement what I understand from an acting perspective, pre housewives to be a almost like Valerie Cherish or like Catherine O'Hara's character on Schitt's Creek level of acting fame, where it was like she hit it big as the victim on Law and Order, and then um, cut to housewives. (laughs) But from a but from a musical perspective, and and with her musical endeavors. Um, uh, she kind of I'm like correct me if I'm wrong Tracy she kind of ranks below maybe only Candy Burris in terms of like industry bona fides as set out like she did have a billboard number one yeah. hit um, and then again though the hot dance club play chart which is like I actually looked into it and learned when you're like wait Janet Jackson is still really famous that's where all of her songs go and so Erica Mm, shows up on that every (laughs) single time including the song that we're talking about today through 2014 so Tracy you um isolated some clips of her other songs as well what else from her musical palette uh speaks to you of songs that that are that's that come from the Erica Jane canon yeah, well, it's interesting. You, know, I do agree that she has a legitimacy. <laughs> um, that the other, um, a lot of the other housewives don't have because she did have a music career prior to being on the show. And I think, whereas um, you know Kim Zolciak or, or Countess Luann, they came on the show and then had vanity singles. Um, she didn't need to be on the show to have a vanity single because she was so rich <laughs> um, prior to the show. And so essentially, I mean, and she said this, you know, that she always had a love of performing and that, um, you know, so once she, I think she was in her forties when she decided to do this and she was like, well, what the hell I'm going to, I'm going to make myself some dance singles and was able to, to finance that through her, can we just, her Aaron Brockovich winning. Can we just talk for a quick second about I've always had a love of performing as <laughs> the phrasing that is consistently used by these artists. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I've always had yeah. a love of performing. Like, that's so broad. Like, and what you're <laughs> saying is, I want yeah. attention. Right. Just say that. Yep. Like, you're yes. on a Real Housewives franchise we're already there with we, you. Like we, <laughs> we, know. we all know what's going on here. Just say it. You could swap yeah. out all of their opening taglines just with the words, I want attention. So I think yeah. that the love of performing sort of speaks <laughs> automatically. Well, you know, like how else yeah. do you... I worked out um, seven hours a day so that I could crawl like a sexy kitten <laughs> in a video. <laughs> you put in the work... Yeah. These right. are the results. Just, yeah. just say it. Yeah. But like the, it's just so funny that you sort of mirrored that thing that they always say. Like, I've always had a love of performing. Like, mm-hmm. performing what? Right. Exactly. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. It's and she- it's never Shakespeare. <laughs> No, no oh well, and she even she even said I think it was last season she was having a conversation with Teddy Mellencamp, who's the daughter of John Cougar Mellencamp, who is a new housewife. Um, and I think Teddy was like, "Oh, you're a singer too," and she was like, "I'm a performer," <laughs> and was very clear about the distinction. Um, so that so I feel like that, and she's a little scary sometimes. Erica Jane is the other thing, and so I feel like I was like, "Oh, I would I would never call her a singer. How dare I?" Um, but she so I was not 
familiar with her career prior to the show. Um, I don't dance in that many gay dance clubs because I am old. <laughs> um, <laughs> not because of lack of, of want, but I'm just tired at night. Um, and so, uh, but she has, um, so Painkiller, which is the song that we covered, was really the first one that came up on the show. It was in her first season. She was, had a video and it was a whole thing. Um, but there have been a couple others subsequently that she has um, recorded while on the show, um, including Expensive, which has two or three X's and a dollar sign in the title, which really sets it apart. <laughs> um, and then the other one, her and her whole part of her whole thing, and I think why she really has become a fan favorite on the show, is that she has this real sort of I don't give a fuck attitude about everything. Um, and so she doesn't really, even though she's part of a lot of the drama, it's not in the same kind of typical way that that the housewives do it in terms of like going behind each other's back and blah, blah, blah. Um, but she's just very sort of straightforward. Like, I don't give a fuck about everything. <laughs> and like, this is stupid. Why are these ladies fighting? Um, and so she does in fact have another song called how many fucks that I'm pretty fond of. We have pulled clips of both of those. Shall we hear a clip from how many fucks? <laughs> yeah. Let's is this do sentence it. I just said in my job? Yeah, wow. I a feel like message. there's a uh, an, an inevitable collaboration with Aquafina based on this clip. <laughs> well, that's the I mean, because it does sound, you know, it's a good club track. I too have been to the odd gay yeah. club in my in my time. That time being, <laughs> I hope they play Groove is in the Heart because now that the oh, time yay. that I have to be home is nine thirty. But Trace, did that <laughs> song come once she was already on the show? And the reason I ask is because. It has the sort of signature defensiveness lyrically of people once they become a housewife where they're just that like, why are you coming for me mentality that I fly above the haters, um, even as I hate back kind of thing. So was that spawned after she was already a cast member? I believe so. I'm like 97% sure that Mm -hmm. it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as did expensive, which talks about all of her expensive lifestyle, which is apparently true. Someone asked her on, um, I think it was on one of the reunion shows or somewhere, um, how much it costs to be Erica Jane per month. And it was somewhere between like 30 and 70,000 a month. It was like, I would like to see this itemized. I know. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. I mean, she's got staff. That's, that is true. That she brings every place with her. This was the other thing that I feel like Erica Jane, um, has been part of the the vanguard of Real Housewives always having their glam squad with them everywhere yep. they go. And I I don't know. I like seeing them look kind of normal and ragged. It's like, it just, it makes it feel more relatable to me. But she always looks Yeah, amazing. and she has, because Mikey yeah. was on the show as well, and he's a bit of a micro star yeah. in his mm-hmm. own right, because he was on the, it was like, what was the I Want to Become a Pussycat Doll show that they had? Oh, a long yeah, time. yeah. Um, and he was one of the the celebrity, I just knocked myself in the face with the size of the air quotes, celebrity dance <laughs> instructors as well back in the day. So it's nice to see him still 
hanging on the hangers on and um, being part of that of that squad as well. Um, and mm-hmm. he is one of the reasons that her life is so expensive. So why don't we hear a clip from that as well? Tick ticking like a time bomb. Limited edition, gotta buy it with no try on. I purchase like a lion, knock them out like Tyson. Everybody knows that I'm a million dollar diamond. I'm reckless, offensive, I destroy your defenses. My guest list is priceless, and yes, I run a tight ship. Bentley's and Benzes, through cash color lenses, Pentalas and Senses. Ching, it's expensive to be made. There is something to be said yeah. for, well, t- two things about, there's something to be said for um, writing what you know. Clearly. <laughs> and there's also something <laughs> to be said for, like, what she knows is something that really works in this genre. That there is, I think, a whole subgenre mm. of, you know, this, like, listing all your literal assets. Yep. <laughs> So good for her. Like, uh, it's it's yeah. nice that the Venn diagram overlaps there so closely for her. She, she has such a clear vision of what it is that makes her consistently a, a dance star that she has not stepped outside of. There is something in that last one that makes you be like when you hear the actual like timber of her voice where you're just like... Mom, what happens to all the Britney Spears songs that don't actually become Britney Spears songs? It was like when you would like hear a pop song for like three years and just be like, oh, that's one that Kelly Clarkson rejected. And that became all pop music for a while. (laughs) And so I feel like it is that Mm -hmm. sort, you know, that sort of like dance club song that sounds like it could have come from anyone. But like it just as well comes from her because she she makes it sound she makes it sound good. I also have to apologize because during that clip, I was looking up how expensive it actually was to be Erica Jane. The answer is $40,000 on hair, clothes, and makeup. But then when I was on People.com, a commercial started to play. So hopefully that didn't bleed through to the track. We can edit that out. But um, yes, no, but uh, agreed. And I don't know. I don't. I, there's, I feel like she's been talking for a while about some sort of ballad that she's going to put out, which maybe she's writing herself. But yeah, the other things, I don't know that she has a direct writing role. Got it. So I'm not do sure. Do we want to hear an Erica Jane ballad? She, she, is it just, she just going to record Love Me First? Like, do we need to, do we need to be <laughs> shaking up the genres? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know that that necessarily plays to her strengths also what on earth is she going to wear <laughs> in the video right something because gauzy, it being a ballad one would think the you know buttless pleather is is out <laughs> one would think oh that's real know. leather honey that is real leather <laughs> <laughs> yeah and her you know her signature dance move um i think from mikey is the pat the puss yes too. so she is it does feel a little off brand but she just came out last year with a um an autobiography this was part of the her story arc on um on the last season of real beverly hills so i feel like she's maybe transitioning to being a little bit more introspective sure. a little bit know. well treat uh sarah you uh uh input most of her music 
uh, through her videos, right? I'm sure that influenced how yes. you see her overall image, but butt wise. Um, yeah, it but because what? I've seen her whole butt <laughs> whole bunch of times. Um, but yeah, I did attempt to, <laughs> at least in the case of Painkiller, just not like just listen to it, like put the video on and then turn my desk chair away <laughs> because I am not her gynecologist <laughs> and probably should not be seeing. And also it's really like, it's just really like I, you know, she learned these moves. She wants to, you know, it sort of comes from that uh, era of the mainstreaming of porn. And it's like, mm. eh, this is not, this is not visually interesting, but it, you have to admire the build of these tracks because there is a formula and she and her team follow it. And I think they're, successful and it's not like her butt is bad <laughs> there's just like a really no, a great butt. i think that this is someone who enjoys being able to cosplay some of the breezier looks from bdsm yeah, but doesn't sure. really mm, yeah. understand bdsm <laughs> so <laughs> it's just kind of like well let's put people in like village people costumes like the motorcycle cop from the village people and then <laughs> let's have really all the buttocks that we can yeah yeah and it is oddly non-sexual yeah it is while being very overtly sexual it's like at the, same the time. um i would compare it to like the technical skate in figure skating, which is never televised, mm. <laughs> that it's like, this is not, mm -hmm. this is not art and this is not sensuality. This is just checking things off, it seems like. So but it's like the, <laughs> yeah. the technical proficiency required to writhe around <laughs> on a bed that is sitting by itself in the middle of a room and has weirdly a drape over it. Like there's the actual bedding. But then there's like <laughs> a, a sheet that is her writhing area, and then it gets all tangled <laughs> up. It's it's very weird. And then she does a lot of splits, and you know that's fine. But then but when you're listening to the actual yeah. track, there's like there are things being worked out lyrically involving emotional abuse. I would say that <laughs> bear no relationship to what you're seeing. <laughs> And also, you're seeing mm. her ass. You're just seeing so much of her ass, you guys. But from a technical, if you're yeah. just doing it technical score, does she at least get a high score from the judge from Chapsylvania or whatever? Like, is she doing that part well or doesn't even matter? I mean, she in the first, like, 10 seconds, you're like, <laughs> yeah. But then right. it's just the same moves over and over again sure. for two to five minutes, depending on which remix you're, quote, enjoying. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess we should hear a clip of the original at this point, just yeah. to put oh, this in context. Be, yeah. This is 2014's Hot Dance Club Play oh, number one hit, Painkiller. Wait, can I say something Please. before we play it? 
I have a very important correction to make, <laughs> which is that I just looked up our, our licensing for Painkiller, and she is, in fact, a, a co-author. Erica Jane and Chris Rodriguez wrote okay. this. So I take I apologize for my earlier error in saying that she was not a writer, because she clearly well, is. Well, good, because I'm sure that's the only thing we've said about her so far that she would like to hear us retract. <laughs> writer, writer. I was very close. Here's a clip of the original hot, hot dance play club play hit. Painkiller. Painkiller. It's amazing how, like, I don't have the vocabulary to talk about these elements musically, but Mm -hmm. it's amazing how many of the, of the musical elements are familiar like it's it is an assemblage almost or again like the technical skate mm-hmm. it's like we're, we're gonna do mm. the like um we're gonna do the crescendo vox effect right we're going to bend the synth we're going to do all these things that are completely like we're gonna have the 808 like yep okay like check 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 right all of the elements and yet it works like it should be a matter of like well Mm -hmm. let's take one thing off but this is very this is like that song barbie girl oh sure expertly constructed Mm. out of absolutely nothing new and Mm -hmm. robotically competent in a way that you know (laughs) if we weren't already all of us in bed at 10 30 would be very compelling (laughs) were it played at a dance club totally and i think that's such Mm. a good point and it's like as much as i hate to further damn with faint praise like my highest compliment it dovetails with that perfectly which when you listen to it you're like it is a song because there's no earthly reason that it actually has to be and like it is built all from like sort of those component frankenstein parts and i think The real reason that we wanted to talk about this song, besides the fact that we are on a podcast with the words talk about songs comprising 40% of the title, more than I had any interest in digging into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills per se as a show, is because that like of all of the songs that Tracy has adapted and that we have recorded, this one is by far the furthest walk from original club track to moody folk realness, right? She was like, I'm going to adapt Erica Jane's Painkiller. And I said, not possible. And so I think, (laughs) you know, that hearing like, Sarah, your opinion that there actually are like component song parts in here gave us something to kind of like latch onto, despite the fact that the version um, that we ended up with could not be further away from the original. Like, I mean, although, well, go ahead, Tracy, because yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, sure. So I would say it is sort of like it is very different sonically in one way, but then also melodically, it's very right. similar. Um, our verse because there is a melody in the um, in the song that we could use, unlike say "Money Can't Buy You Class." Right. Um, so I think it actually does. It, it what we basically did was sort of strip away just a lot of stuff um a lot of that kind of extraneous noise that makes it that makes it suitable for a club um but really kind of i think that the the melodic bones of it um even with the you know you'll hear in our version we do this the this ooh um which is meant to mirror sort of that little dun 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 hook um so i think those parts actually translated way better than i thought they would when we originally um started on this one yeah it does seem to me from a you know consumer standpoint like yeah it's sort of going around the block to get to the house next door in some <laughs> ways like um i would say tonally but then like tracy just said like there this isn't like a, t a talk song mm -hmm. um and it's mm -hmm. it is created with more uh competence I guess, yeah than, than kit like it it does what it needs to do like it as it exists did not necessarily need improving so i would say that while this is the most reinterpreting there's also the least like having to fix foundational shit that is really wrong mm. for you guys to do yeah. yep yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, should we just hear a little bit of it? Jump right in. Indeed. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too because you know now that you kind of break it down like that you're right like all of the you know the melody is there I would say the big thing that shifted in it was sort of like the temperature like the mood in as much that like if club right. tracks of Erica Jane are supposed to make you feel hot this is supposed to make you feel cold 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 like you're putting on three pairs of chaps to mm. listen to this song yes. like it's and a, a felicity sweater <laughs> right? and whispering exactly. hey to someone it, yeah I mean I don't know I'd love to hear from you guys what your experience was um contending with these lyrics I guess at this um like in this mood and at this tempo because her other work like you were just saying like if you listen to Pretty Mess for example and the one of the lead lyrics there is everything I am I bought like <laughs> including her boobs mm -hmm. basically but she's like very cheerful about that fact yep. 
And there's this, again, bubblegum bondage way <laughs> that her music had, which is not a bad thing. Like, I don't think she understands what masochism is past the style choices, but that's okay. Who cares? Um, but when you when you slow these lyrics down and take off all the like synthy stuff that might obscure them, there is this like you know emotionally abusive relationship that she's both struggling against and addicted to and like borderline behaviors are happening and also there's a like it's windy and someone is walking on a moor somewhere mm-hmm. yep <laughs> but that like that's all in the original yep somehow mm-hmm. and yet you're just like jumping up and down at two in the morning and inhaling <laughs> other people's amyl nitrate like this is, ter- <laughs> this is a terrible situation someone should get that lady some help yeah get me another vodka crayon but then yep. your interpretation of it really shines a light on those things so was that was that something that you were thinking about when you were reinterpreting it? Or were you just like, this is absolutely like in another galaxy from the original and that's sort of amusing and challenging? Uh, no, I was definitely thinking about it in doing this because I think part of the, um, you know, maybe the liability of a dance song or, you know, maybe one of the blessings, <laughs> depending on the case, is that you're not, you know, you're not listening for lyrical content it's all about kind of like the beat or the groove or whatever it is or or how it makes you feel but the song actually I mean it does have a darker feel to it even in the original but then there's all that like wow <laughs> um and jumping around that that happens but and I then think there's that she yeah, doesn't, no, it's definitely like killer is not spelled correctly yeah I, I don't I don't either that. like is that what is that supposed <laughs> to tell us anyway sorry to interrupt Yeah, no, it's too true. And I think also having this, you know, it's just this one word chorus, really. I mean, it's just about the word painkiller. And so I think that sort of um, in the in the dance version, you kind of hook on to that. And it's sort of all you need to know. And um, it's easy to kind of blow by those lyrics. But then there is some there is some complexity in there. Um, And now, you know, I hadn't I hadn't really framed it this way, but what if this is all about Tom Girardi? Well, that's the other thing, that it's no. like they appear to have a perfectly peaceable arrangement based on everything that y'all have been telling me. So is she... Do. <laughs> was she what just like I with a rhyming say. dictionary and a, a glass of Chardonnay? Like, well, what if this were terrible and oppressive? What? <laughs> well, so she does sometimes refer to him as Mr. Girardi. And he does sometimes, his time on, on camera is fairly limited, um, but there is a certain way that he talks to her that is, um, you know, as a man who is a 30-year-older rich guy may um, be a little bit dismissive to his to his wife, who was a cocktail waitress. So I don't know, maybe this is getting under the, uh, and they live very, it feels, oh no, I'm like afraid to talk about this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, what's gonna happen to me but it does feel like they live very separate lives um in a in a way too although by all accounts he was very supportive of her um her musical career so i don't know but it does you know taking a look at the lyrics through that lens it does seem like this is about her sort of emerging into her own kind of stardom um out of a shadow that maybe he did not want to release her from i mean or possibly if we're, you know, <clears throat> doing the full accounting of the 16 songwriters and lyricists of a song like this that you were referencing 
No, it's oh, only the, two. Well, it's then only who's the two. other one? Chris Rodriguez. Erica Jane and Chris Rodriguez. So that actually, which I hadn't realized before, so that actually makes me feel like maybe it is something more personal. How interesting. Because, I mean, mm. the, like... I got chills. Because no, <laughs> I do want to find whoever. Maybe we need to look a little deeper into the Rodriguez marriage then, because I feel like the, you know, when you do really <laughs> slow it down and you have the, even just the buzzwords from that first verse, far away, hid from the sun, pushing me deeper, striking me down. And then you sort of like move yeah. into the fact that there is, again, to your earlier point of it being a song within this actual song, is that there is a full bridge, which I will read in its entirety. So is this the girl mm. you want me to be? I surrender myself. I'll never be free. One step from the edge mm. is all that I'll be waiting for you like a painkiller. Like, Jesus. So I do, Jesus. I think that there is something, yeah. um, something very deep in there. Well, and who is the painkiller in this scenario? Right. Is she his painkiller? Is he hers? Is the... You know, in the dance iteration of it, there's this like wink, wink, you know, whoever says you can't drown your sorrows and alcohol is doing it wrong quality to it. I may be speaking from personal current experience. <laughs> Alyssa, Alyssa, I love you guys. Um, but uh, the, but in when you s strip away the dance-ness of it, it's like who who is addicted to whom? in this scenario mm -hmm. and who like who has the key to the golden handcuffs that she appears to be talking about because i yeah. guess the other interpretation could be that you know she's never actually going to know if she can have her own thing because he's always going to be bankrolling it like she, you know and and i think mm. that's the thing like even you know her create like her creativity is allowed to kind of like flourish in any way she would like but it's still you know that he doesn't understand it even if it is completely like coming from his dime it's funny when we recorded it all of the so tracy sings lead on this one but all of the harmonies both the very high harmony and the very low harmony in the chorus are both me um so i sang both above and below tracy on it and now only now do I realize because we were thereby this. oppressing her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Creating her 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 <laughs> lyrical musical sandwich of which mm. I am uh, oppressing her on both sides, and I only realize hashtag now. Hashtag not all dance. Hashtag. Oh, <laughs> but I do think, but like all dance, because if there is, <laughs> if there's one thing that we have learned about all songwriting this fall, it's that you can always blame the man for something. And I feel that that is true now. <laughs> Listening to the chorus is that there is a, what I would not prior have been able to identif identify as a Jackson Maine quality to this song, where it's like, he is, like, she is singing this song, but it doesn't feel like it's on her terms. Like, it feels like she is mm. trying to escape from something. Like, there is a, there is a thing that she is trying to bust out of, um, even while being as busty as possible, if that makes I, any sense. <laughs> I, I would love to read an oral history of... <laughs> The writing of this song just to get Chris Rodriguez and you know we don't know if Chris Rodriguez is a man uh -huh. or a lady sure. or a fluid person <laughs> sure. if, uh, 
a non-conforming My guess citizen. is a gay man. I think it's, I think it's probably a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if there was some point in the process where she like turned in her take on the lyrics and he was like, you are you will be sued for divorce. We have yeah. to make this more opaque. Right. Yep. <laughs> the end, you know, mm. fast forward to this quote carefree dance track that is very like it's ambiguous as to mm-hmm. who the painkiller is or whether that's a salutary prescription totally Maybe lost control of that symbology <laughs> but anyway yeah i would love to hear what his role in the process was and if as i suspect he was like you got to pull this shit way back <laughs> way back like Maybe it's this all was... swears right now and yeah. <laughs> do, like are you going to work at the gap because if not you need to tone the shit down and think about what you want from this <laughs> Chris Rodriguez still wanted to get yeah, paid. Exactly. <laughs> like, I need to yeah. not be a co-defendant in your hideous divorce. Uh, I'm not going on the reunion. Fuck you. Yep. We all, obviously it's about Dave Coulier mm. and Warren Beatty. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, I think that now looking at the lyrics, I think that love is the painkiller. So you're in this whole thing, but you still, you know, and there are whatever the differences and the difficulties but when you look at the end of that first verse, all I had was love, like a painkiller. Yeah. So that's the anesthetic. Yeah, it's like that's what. But it's also like that, the. Oh God, it is about an abusive it relationship. Does you know it does speak to that like, not toxicity, but the um, addictive quality of bad relationships yeah. that you're like detoxing from. This is not worth it. So I guess I'll just stick around and get sort of not yelled at but like belittled and not respected some more because it seems easier yeah. right yeah you get the sense not that to the be super sorry, sorry so for dark. a rich white lady because <laughs> she'll be fine probably. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. She's you get the right. sense that the original um pushing me deeper striking me down when all i had was love then had another pushing me deeper striking me down when love was not enough and rodriguez was like no i can't do it like we need to <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love this counter narrative of his being the history of painkiller. <laughs> and there was like wow. an actual painkiller named, and he's like, "We don't have the rights to that. Like, Rating we will th- be sued by the Sackler Foundation. Please bring it down a notch." <laughs> oh. It was originally called wow. "Opioid Crisis: Colon This Is Tom's Fault." And Chris oh. Rodriguez is like, "Couple notes." <laughs> <laughs> it was West Virginia coal mining town 2018 the musical oh cut to all of us being wow. served papers by Chris Rodriguez's attorney like get my name out oh of my your mouths this was all negotiated allegedly. look at the court papers oh god allegedly yeah. yes we've, we've ripped the chaps allegedly. off this one yeah and there is that you know because there's that little there's this sort of other part i don't know if you'd call it it's not the bridge but it's sort of after the it's between the chorus and then the chorus again but that um uh is this oh no i feel like i'm a star on the rise so hold me in your arms one more time i guess it's Mm -hmm. a pre-chorus um but that i feel like there you get this sort of um this notion of like i'm i'm on the rise i'm busting out like this will be the last time but then you get to the bridge that is this the girl you want me to be? I surrender myself. I'll never be free. Wow. 
This has gotten so dark and so deep. I did not expect this not today. Since Tracy and I were in our postmodern literature classes at Vassar together. Did we dig this deep into any <laughs> into any text? Oh my god, it's so true. Next time wow. on Money Can't Buy You podcast, a reader mailbag submission from Erica Jane, in which she's like, "Y'all humanities majors way overthinking yeah. this shit." <laughs> it's a dance track. Settle down. <laughs> yeah wow though wow sorry i'm blown away today <laughs> and i will say speaking of our, our vassar experience together the um when we were figuring out how to arrange this and really like what um you know sort of how we'd work out dan's harmony parts and that sort of thing i think it was dan's suggestion to do all those the layered ooze and haze um, which are really a callback to our collective acapella past every time the song starts i'm like oh it sounds just like one of our acapella songs yeah um and i must i must suggest that listeners download the complete version because there is as always a callback to the countess that is very (laughs) rueful and yeah, especially in light of everything that we've been talking about. The fact that, uh, yeah. you know, yes, elegance is learned, but mm-hmm. at what cost? At what and cost? At whose behest? You know, oh, wow. Wow. This makes me feel. This too, meeting of the blue like stockings now. is now concluded. <laughs> But I feel like, you know, if we've gotten to this level of depth um, with Erica Jane, you know, calling going back to the Countess since we've just mentioned her, all that she's been through in the last few years, I feel like she could come out with something really deep and dark that would just blow us away. One can only hub. One can only. Sorry, Sarah. So <laughs> well, she's like, right I, she's like, I know Rodriguez <laughs> like, mm, and okay. you, Mr. Young, are no Mr. Rodriguez. <laughs> I do. Wow. I, I was just like zoning out thinking about what she might, what she might come up with. And maybe um, yeah. young Rodriguez LLC <laughs> should be formed to, to tackle this project and give her something yeah. in her register that she can right. actually sing and have it be a kind of like bluesy you know, they all they all like mm. gravitate to dance tracks, I think, because oh. that's where they have the most cover. Right. In terms of their yeah. voices. But like Cher could tell you anything can be fixed. So <laughs> just I don't know. Hey, do I just need you to step away from talking oh, no, about no. Cher for a minute. No. I love Cher. <laughs> okay. But refighting okay. the Madonna Wars of yesteryear. <laughs> Things have been sweetened. We all have our diva. It's we true. all have our diva. It's That's true. true. Leave wow. Billy yeah. Joel alone. I mean, listen, listeners, who? if you have suggestions for um, genre and topics for the Countess... Like yeah. I would, I would love to hear, I would love to hear the brainstorming. So you know where to find I us. I think a bluesy prison song, a bluesy prison song. It's like of the genre and she was in prison. Yeah. So true. <laughs> All right. Wow. She talked about that bologna sandwich. <laughs> show. I just threw her like she had never been so, um, so degraded they threw a bologna sandwich and there was a mustard packet inside the sandwich. wait is that true <laughs> yeah do you remember when she said that on the show she was like ah 
They threw me this bologna sandwich and I took a bite and there was a mustard pack. Oh, well, there. In there, like a dead fish. <laughs> That's what she said. Three hots and a cot. Sorry. The, Goodbye. Uh, Mass incarceration is not funny. That also, I whatever, but we're throwing bologna sandwiches at crying people also described. That was, wasn't that, that was like the fire festival. <laughs> the, but yeah, there's like right. a, the Earl of Bologna sandwich. To, like she could do a whole, she could do a whole sort of like, yeah. um, double album of like pairing titles with p- prison related problems. <laughs> what? Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> On her oh, double no. album, Dade County Blues, <laughs> mm-hmm. recorded live. <laughs> oh, Not wow. Dade yet. Yeah, <laughs> well, Erica Jane, you mm. took up an hour of our time. Well done. Wow. Longer than the Thanks, Erica full Jane. writing and recording of the original song in its entirety. <laughs> I, I mean, I really That's was not- captivated by all the sort of narrative possibilities and possible subplots and i think that your yeah. take on it is um very upsetting in some ways apparently <laughs> um but also delightful bittersweet your 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 move mr rodriguez the, spot, <laughs> the spotlight is on you <laughs> on that note i'm gonna play some outro music Mr. Rogi, would you like to tell listeners what they're in for next time? Nothing would make me happier, Sarah. And Money Can't Buy You podcast is produced by the Mastis Podcast Network, editing by Sarah. You can find Dan and Tracy's version of this song at moneycan'tbuyyoupodcast.bandcamp.com. And it's also available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine music is sold. Coming up on our next episode, Danielle Staub. Hey, come back. Sorry I said that. Where did everybody go? (laughs) Um, Until such time, I'm Dan. And you're Tracy. I'm Tracy. (laughs) And I'm still Sarah. (laughs) See y'all next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.